Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. Uh. Here's what we know about NCIS. Yeah. Literally my only impression of this show is that it's CSI in the Navy, which may be based on the fact that it's CIS, which I don't even know what that it's stands for. Naval Crime investigation yeah it may be more like naval law and order than naval csi but because it has the letters c s and i in the name i just assumed i know that there is a a cute goth girl who is their computer expert Mm, i could never remember what show that character is from but yeah this is that show she's the wacky hacker character right like she works for the navy but she's a goth (laughs) she's a 50 somethings idea of what a 20 something who knows about computers? Genius is like. computer person is yes. like, yeah. Ugh, the only I uh, love wacky hacker characters. So the good. The only other thing I know about this show is that there is a clip that people pass around on YouTube called the most realistic hacking scene ever, or something like that. Oh, is this the one where two people type on the same keyboard? Yes, this is that show. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Oh, I don't, is it too much to hope that happens in the oh, first episode? If it happens in the first episode, <laughs> I will be so happy. But I don't think it does. Where people being reference hacked. that yes. scene all the time, but so I could never remember show. what show it was from. She oh. is that girl. Oh, I can't wait. So that is... That like, bodes well for the show. Literally <laughs> everything not. I know about this. Also, before we begin, I do want to address the fact that we are not actually watching watching the pilot of the show. Yes. We're watching the first episode of the regular series. Because the pilot was actually a backdoor pilot in the show Jag... Which also neither of us have seen. We may end up doing Jag on the show at some yes. point, but we felt like a backdoor pilot would be too confusing to watch if we've never seen Jag. So, plus, if you do a backdoor pilot, I think your first episode is going to be a lot of retreading there's the same re- ground. Yes. Because you have to kind of recap. And a lot of times there's like rewriting and recasting yes. between so the backdoor and the, and the show actually starting anyway. So, there's, according to the my very cursory glance on Wikipedia when I was confused about what the first episode actually was. There was a note that said that that first that they had recast some people between the backdoor pilot or yeah. whatever. So I feel like to get an idea of what the actual ongoing series yeah, is like, totally, uh, we will be watching uh, Yankee White. Yeah. So let's check it out. Initial impressions and hot takes. This is such a procedural. Yeah, it is more like CSI than it is like Law and Order, which was my initial impression. But then I questioned whether I was correct in that, and I was right the first time. Yeah, this is definitely a show that is giving us five characters who are archetypes, and I feel like their relationships are going... We're going to see them all kind of rub against each other or whatever. We talked about her in the What We Know Already, uh, the goth computer Yeah, we thought she was a hacker because she's like a wacky goth. But, she does do some hacking later yeah. on the show, but she seems like she's more their like overall like goofball in the lab who yeah. probably will be the one who builds a robot for them at some point. <laughs> I sure hope so. Yeah. Yeah. She was and great though. She wasn't as car- much of a caricature as you expected. Yeah, that actress is doing some fun stuff with it. Yeah. Um, I like it everything to be more I, cartoonish. Yeah, everything I knew of her from before that is like this is a fifty year old's idea of what a twenty year old is like. Yeah. And she was a little bit more than that. Yeah. And uh, I think an impression that we both walked away with is that this show feels like it has something to prove. Oh my gosh, does it ever. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get to that synopsis. Yeah. The episode title is Yankee White, which I, I gotta say, I don't actually know what the hell that's supposed to mean, but it's fine. 
Maybe that was the name of the plane? Anyway, we'll get into it. We open at Air Force One with aggressively obvious archival footage. The quality of the footage is completely different from a TV camera of actual President George W. Bush waving to the press as he boards Air Force One. And then we jarringly cut straight to fake Bush impersonator actor on the actual plane. And the first moments, his face is slightly like in, in shadow. shadow. Yeah. And then we see him from behind and we're thinking, oh, this is what they're going to do. They're going to rely on archival footage and anything of the president in the actual episode, you're going to barely see him. Mm -hmm. But then they very quickly, nope. Just start showing his whole face, and he talks a lot. For the level of comedy that they were going for with this this Bush impersonator, because he was like, did you get those ribs from JoJo's? Oh, get those ribs from Smokey Joe's, Joe, Smokehouse or whatever? I yeah. love Smokey, love me Smokey Joe's. And yes, Mr. President, we know, Mr. President, we know you love ribs, Mr. President. It's It was, the level of jokiness they were going for felt like... A show today would be making jokes about Bush, not a yeah, show was like, when was, he was in the White was House. Was Will Ferrell not available? Yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? It strangely said while we were watching the episode, they are very confident in their Bush. Yeah. like <laughs> They clearly thought this guy was great. President Merkin? Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> Let's call him that. So the weird thing about this is they will go back to this throughout the episode. They will switch back and forth between archival footage of actual Bush and their fake Bush. And honestly, President Merkin, they should have picked one or the other. Yes. I, I think. Uh, either all archival footage with occasional back-of-the-head shots of an actor or just go with fake Bush. Just be confident in your fake Bush and just show President yeah. Merkin the whole time. Because every time we saw the archival footage, it was just a reminder that... We were seeing a fake actor. It was weird. It was weird choice. Very jarring. Weird choice. Very quickly, we are introduced to young Navy upstart, young and fresh faced, and I freaked out so hard I made strangely pause the episode for several minutes while I figured out who he was because he was incredibly familiar, the actor, and I knew immediately I know this guy. I know him from one specific thing. And the thing I've seen him in, he's at least ten years older and has like way more like puffy man face going on. And but it was bothering me so much I insisted that he pause. And I figured it out with no assistance. It was Mitch Sweeten, the FBI agent from Leverage, and it delighted me. <laughs> And we we called him McSweeten for the rest of the episode. He's, he's, he's Commander McSweeten. I'm sorry. That was very important to me. Commander Ray Trapp, I think is the character's name. He is introduced to the president. He's the guy who's, uh, who's holding the briefcase. The nuclear football. The nuclear football. The launch codes. Yeah. And the president says, oh, I thought Major Carey was supposed to be on this uh, football detail. And they say, oh, no, he came down with the flu, which is our first clue that something is afoot. The president invites a young Commander Trapp to have lunch with him. And then... Uh, we go to a conversation between two agents, establishing them as Secret Service. Mm -hmm. One of them is Todd, who is one of our main characters. I've forgotten her first name now. Agent Todd. Agent Todd. That's her, her first, name, her is first Agent. name is Agent. So Agent Todd and an older guy who is her boss, uh, they have a little back and forth about how tough it is to be a Secret Service agent. Slightly later, Trap is coming out of lunch with the boss. 
he looks a little nervous, at which point I go, oh, no, please tell me McSweeten isn't a terrorist. Mm -hmm. I was real worried. He fumbles, drops the briefcase, makes a joke about fumbling the football, something about playing football in high school or something, and then starts to sweat, falls to the floor, convulsing and foaming at the mouth. Foaming at, there was some, like, it It, was like old yeller level foaming at the mouth. It looks real bad. And then I was sad for another reason, because I also didn't want poor poor young McSweeten to die. Some medical personnel come rushing in. Rushing in. They say he has no heartbeat. So it's like, he's dead. He's definitely dead. There was a line in there that uh, it was just an extra. It was a bit part. It was one of the people playing the the medical team on Air Force One. They're they're looking at McSweeten lying there and he's dead. And someone goes, my goodness, he has no heartbeat. He was just having lunch with the president. And one of the medical team goes, oh my God. And runs (laughs) off like... You could tell that that was the that was the only actor the, the only line this actor had the entire episode, and he was like, "I'm gonna do." He was gonna <laughs> sell it. The poor man did not have any glasses to pull off to do that classic like. Whoosh, whoosh. Oh my god! Drama has begun for the episode. Yes, and we slam into the credit sequence, and I'm sure everyone watching this for the first time could barely pay attention to this lovely credit sequence because they were so darn worried about our president. I know. Is he going to be okay? Is he going to die? Spoiler Is this show going to kill the president? Wouldn't that be amazing if that was the show? Like, they went off into this weird, crazy And they went to universe. this alternate universe where President Bush Suddenly was assassinated. Suddenly there's blimps everywhere. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. Mm. Unfortunately, they weren't that cool. Uh, the credit sequence was... Uh, average amount of datedness for when the show came out, which I think we established was 2002. Um, it didn't feel aggressively dated, I'm going to say. It felt about 2002-y. This is one of those things that I think the the show... I've never watched this show um, other than that one clip that we talked about in the the, the, the uh, opening. But it, to me, it, this is a show that is ubiquitous and it has been very successful. Like, it's been rated as America's favorite show. It's right, yeah. It's hugely watched. This so, show is still on the air, we, we learned yes, in our initial so research. This is one of, and it's had two spinoffs. This is one of those shows that I think has been influential in just its sheer ubiquity. Mm-hmm. This does well. It continues to do well. The franchise is chugging along. So things that this show has done have been copied by the franchises, which is one of the reasons I think the opening credits looks less dated than... Certain other shows yeah. from the era that haven't been copied. They did seem to be leaning heavily on the techie. Yeah, it was very like. It was, very, it was like computery kind of uh, high tech images around the edges while the characters are being shown in the middle. And we meet our main team, which we know right away that to- Agent Todd is going to be a regular character because right. she's in the main credits. And we see all the other people who we have yet to meet. Our main team is uh, Gibbs, Gibbs, Mark Harmon. I got it. I just I have to say it. He's clearly supposed to be a silver fox. He's not foxy enough for me. I was not really? He's, he's got that, that charm. Mm, not enough. Not no. enough for me. Obviously, enough for America, because that show's been on the air for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little pickier with the silver foxes. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, we meet, we meet him. There's Blondie, who, I'm not going to lie... Did not catch his name the entire episode. Just called him Blondie. But he's like the young hotshot member of the team. He just seems like a sidekick to... He, seem, he seems like he sidekick-y. is there. He's just there. He doesn't have a strong uh, a character yeah. in this episode. He, I'm sure he develops more later. Everybody's going to pale in comparison to our wacky goth hacker character, who is not actually a hacker, as we thought initially. But Polly. Polly. 
Not spelled no, P-O-L-L-Y. That's the actress's name. Oh, yeah. What is the character's P-A-U-L-E-Y, name? P-A-U-L-E-Y. So good. It's Polly, which is a girly name, but spelled like a guy's name. It seems like that should be the character name. Boom. But the character's name is Abby, we learn later. Uh, then there's the older British doctor. Who looks a bit like Garrison Keillor. Oh, yeah, he did. With a cute nickname, Ducky. And bow ties. And a bow tie. Was, he was already adorable in the, in the credit sequence, and we didn't even know he was British or named Ducky yet. And he was just... That only added to the cuteness. I have heard numerous times in numerous places that the name uh, Ducky is a term of endearment among British gay men. Head cannon accepted. <laughs> but what's really fun is that that is his nickname among all of his colleagues. Yeah. Including not just our main team, but as we find out, the he knows he knows a everybody. bunch of other corners, and they he all call him Ducky. Everybody calls him Ducky. He tells people that strange. That's why he says, my, "Oh, all my friends call me Ducky." Ducky. But I gotta say, I love his inclusion. Not only because mm-hmm. I love a, a, a whimsical uh, old British man, but it stopped the team from being a bunch of hot young people. Because even Gibbs, even Gibbs, they're going he's, for he's, silver. He's fox. the silver fox kind of guy. Which I could have done with slightly foxier, but I guess fine. Um, and it was nice to have Ducky there. So on we go. We've, we've on we go. Credits. We are uh, in a garage. We meet Gibbs, our hero, literally building a boat. So he's very navy. He's not just navy. He's you guys. Deep he's navy. so navy. He's literally building a wooden boat. He's carving it by hand. He's making it the old-fashioned way. And he is interrupted by Blondie. Calls him on the phone. Tells him one of our guys died because of course commander uh trap was a navy guy mm-hmm. and that's why they're brought in because they are naval crimes in investigative services something like that i've already forgot what cis stands for naval crime intelligence superstars, Sup- superstars. <laughs> yeah sure that much checks out they go to the airport where we establish that NCIS is not that well-known or as well-funded as other agencies because Blondie is bitching about the fact that they have to fly commercial and they don't have their own jet. The FBI has their own jet. And the NYPD has their own jet. Yeah, he's complaining, and Gibbs is like, tough luck. Guy at security... The security guard doesn't even recognize their NCIS badges. He's like, oh, I've never heard of NCIS. And they're like, ugh. So we establish that the NCIS is a bit of underdogs as far as government agencies go. And then the security guy says... NCIS? Is that like CSI? And Blondie answers the question, which he's saying to the audience, only if you're dyslexic. <laughs> what? Is which, go- like, how it's like they pointed. knew. Yeah. And uh, hey, that's what I said. I literally said that in our initial impressions. I think it's like CSI, but maybe I'm just thinking that because of the letters. This and they clearly a, thought everyone would think that. This is a very self-confident show that just strut well, onto the scene, slapped their fake bush on the table and declared war. And sort of self-conscious about the, yeah. It's like they're being self-confident because they're self-conscious and they need to prove something. <laughs> this show has something to prove. We get to a pissing contest on the plane between the FBI, the Secret Service, and the local coroner on on Air Force One. Yes. The plane that was previously Air Force One, we learn. Oh, yes. It's not Air Force One anymore. I didn't know this, but apparently there are several planes, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. You can't just have one. And whenever the president's on it, it's Air Force One. And when it's not, they all have, like, separate code names, which I guess Yankee White, I think, must have been part of the code name of one of these planes. They're on the plane, and they're all arguing about whose jurisdiction this crime is, which is a classic of police procedurals. So the local coroner, who's a character actor we both recognize but couldn't think of from where, is saying, Well, you can't do nothing until the local medical examiner signs off on the body. Literally talking like that. I'm I'm barely exaggerating. If they're, like, a a, a sort of tall, thin, middle-aged, 
middle-aged man who talked like that on X-Files or Fringe or something. Yeah. Same guy. Same guy. You've seen him. And then Ducky shows up in, in a somewhat confusing scene for us because this is the first time we're really seeing right. everybody. He seems to be saying he's the local medical examiner. Yes. Hello, I'm the medical examiner and yeah. I'm going yeah. to check the body. And check the body. And then Gibbs, he's kind of treating Gibbs and Blondie as if they're his employees. These are my assistant which is confusing because we're new to the show right. and we're trying to figure out who everyone's relationships are. He basically pulls a Doctor Who. Well, I don't know. Probably it's just a, a natural death. You guys can all leave. Everything's fine. We'll bag him and tag him. Yeah. Gets everyone off the plane. And then they pull a bit of a switcheroo and start actually investigating the crime and looking at the body more closely. And we realize, oh, they pulled a little con to get the FBI and the Secret Service off the plane. I always love a good con. I thought it was a questionable decision given that they were conning the audience at the same time. And the audience is just trying to figure out what the show is going to be and who these people are. Yeah, that was was confusing. It was confusing, but we figured it out in the end. Todd, of course... Agent Todd, being a clever person, realizes something's up with these guys. She strides back onto the plane with her gun drawn and goes, Who the hell are you guys? You're no medical examiner, she points at Gibbs. You said something about softshell crabs that there's we're in and we're in Arkansas or some shit like that. Kansas. Kansas. We're in Kansas. She makes them and yeah. says, What is going on? And they explain, Oh, we never said we were local medical examiners. We're, we we're just... taking the body to the morgue in Washington, DC. Because he's naval and we're naval and he's ours. And we just had to pull a little uh, Mickey Mouse business to get him under our jurisdiction. Right. So I can't remember exactly then, how they convinced her, but they convinced her to work with them on it. Yeah, they've already told the pilot to get flying, so the plane is starting up. No, but then the pilot says he won't take off without authorization from the Secret from Service. Her. So then they need her. He basically says, like, you're going to have to shoot me to stop this. And she's like, well, I don't want to have to shoot you. I just don't want the paperwork or some clever line yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. And she decides to work with them on it. She right. authorizes the plane to take off. They literally slam the door on In the, the FBI's FBI face. And this, the rest of the Secret Service. And the rest face. of the Secret Service. And we have our first act break. All right. On the plane, uh, Gibbs is on a call with his boss when we come back from commercial. A, like, Star Trek-style video call. I know. It's so... It's a bit silly, but whatever. Um, Gibbs is talking to his boss, the head of NCIS or whatever. He's giving him a bit of a hard time about fucking with the FBI. He's like, did you have to literally slam the door in their face? But he also seems a bit resigned to these sorts of shenanigans. So he knows his team. Yeah, it seems like this is par for the course with this team. Yeah, it's kind of establishing. They kind of pull this kind of stuff. And he's like, a little interdepartmental, you know, collaboration, collaboration. Cooperation <laughs> couldn't hurt. He he's kind of like next time maybe don't with the door slamming, but okay. Then we go to uh, Ducky checking the liver temperature of the body, and he and Todd disagree about the time of death. Or rather, Todd points out that the Dirt. presence doctor checked the body and gave a time of death, and Ducky is saying, "Well, it never hurts to double check." And then he comes up with one an hour. Different. And they have a bit of a disagreement, and Todd basically says, well, you did it wrong. The president's doctor probably got it right. We move on quickly to Gibbs and Todd being super adversarial with each other. Um, He's making constant references to the Harrison Ford movie, Air Force One, which... Becomes a running theme through this episode. And uh, we should have looked up when that movie came out. 
I'm fairly Be- certain 96. It was a little old. It was not recent at the no. time that this came out. Sorry, I'm actually just going to stop. Yeah, let's just look, look it up. Let's, let's look it up. up. Yeah. You can't just type Air Force One release year because there's a lot of things called Air Force One. There's <laughs> Nike boots. 97, oh. good call. 97. Okay. So then we go quickly into Gibbs and Todd fighting, mm-hmm. being adversarial, a little bit of a, you know, a pissing contest between the two of them for who's in charge of this investigation. He's making constant references to the Harrison Ford movie, Air Force One. So it was already five years old at this point. So eight. Eight, no. eight years. No. Six. Six years old at this, this point. This was 2003. Oh, 2003. Okay. So <laughs> it was a little bit of a, it was a fairly recent reference. They had every... Reason to think most people watching the show had seen that movie or at least seen trailers for it. Uh, it's an interesting choice to just hang a lampshade on that. Like, we're having a whole thing take place on Air Force One. And we're also going to make a lot of jokes. It wasn't one one-off. No. It's a running thing throughout the episode. And he seems to be doing it kind of genuinely because he's like, neat, I'm on Air Force One, just like the movie. And kind of to piss Todd off on purpose. Right. By being like, oh, I bet it's just like the movie. And she's like, don't be absurd. She's mad. Yeah, she's so mad. (laughs) Even though at least one of the things he points out and she goes, that would be ridiculous. It turns out later is true. But we'll come back to that later. I felt like they were doing some forced sexual tension between Todd and Gibbs here. It did not feel genuine, but we can address that more later. Then we go back to Ducky, who has figured out what the discrepancy was. It was like a minor thing. He figures it out. It serves to make Todd go... My bad. I apologize. And show that she's reasonable. She's capable of admitting when she's wrong. And she seems to kind of accept Ducky more. It vets him and the whole team in her eyes because they caught something the doctor, the president's physician, fucked up. So My favorite line in the episode is Ducky saying, these little discrepancies are how conspiracy theories start. Yeah. like, yes. And somewhere in here, she mentions her palm pilot and it's a lovely little dated reference yes she's saying something about should i be noting these down in my palm pilot or should something i be like writing that? this down in my notebook or on my palm pilot yeah and it was like, just like a real oh oh god, god palm pilots i wanted a palm pilot so bad that's what we should have called this show palm pilot no <laughs> <laughs> somewhere around here yeah is where they established that air force one is whichever plane the president is on, Mm -hmm. which seemed like her just being like, "Uh, excuse me, I think you'll find the Air Force One. I thought it was just her showing off her knowledge, but it actually comes into play later. Then they move on to collecting evidence. They go into the president's office where the remains of lunch are still sitting on his desk. They start bagging and tagging which, the remains of the lunch, because they still don't know for sure that the lunch wasn't a part of it. They have to rule that out, even though the president is fine. Which is, whoever landed that plane, kudos. It's like lunch on plates with knives and forks. Like, that was a smooth landing. That's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, everything is exactly where it should be. Whoever landed that set. Yeah. <laughs> Right, because normally, normally they would eat while they're in the air. Everything would be put away by the yeah. time they land. So that is yeah. a little uh, plot hole. So they're bagging and tagging they're the plates of food. They're bagging and tagging plates of food. Suddenly, Todd starts to look a little sketchy. Ooh. She looks a little sweaty. A little peaked. Like, oh, no. Well, she can't go foamy at the mouth because she's a regular character. She runs out of the room with her hand over her mouth, 
and Gibbs runs after Chases her, her down with the hall. an evidence bag, stops her from going in the bathroom, and literally forces her to vomit into a plastic evidence bag. <laughs> I was prepared to be grossed out, but she vomited up basically water. Like, I know sometimes you vomit and it's mostly bile, but like, it yeah. was straight up just water. It was clear liquid. It's like, clearly they didn't want to get that gross. But I wonder if they had to have meetings at the network, like, no chunks, yeah, only no, liquid. Mm, no, well, no. What color can it be? Clear. Clear. It has to be literally water, you guys. We cannot be gross on this show. They tag it and they they start asking her questions. We cut to jarring archival footage of Bush at a rally. And then we cut to another jarring cut from the archival footage to the Secret Service boss guy, mm-hmm. uh, Todd's boss, on a cell phone mm-hmm. in the crowd. Which So he's there. He's guarding the president. Yeah. He is on the phone talking to the FBI guy who got the door slammed in his face and is none too pleased about it. They're going to work together as a team to force NCIS out of this investigation because they're both pissed. The FBI guy points out, we both have resources those chumps can only dream of. They don't got Abby. Yeah. I think that the Secret Service guy is like, a little bit reluctant at first. He's kind of like, I don't know, like Todd's the up there. It seems like the Secret Service guy knows Gibbs and thinks that Gibbs gets results. But the FBI guy is able to convince him, right. let's work together. Make NCIS give the body yeah. to the FBI. So we go back to the plane where Todd is lying down, not looking too great, getting her temperature taken by Ducky. They point out she has the same symptoms as Major Carey, who, who we had established the had the flu and was not able to get on the plane. And that's why Commander Trap, McSweeten. Young, young, okay. poor young McSweeten, mm. taken from us too early, was the one in charge of the football. And I initially thought, aha, flew my ass. He was purposefully this guy it's a turns out actually the flu uh and how do we know this because she says todd says no i have the exact same symptoms as carrie did trust me i know and they're like oh did you work with him yesterday she says nope and then ducky goes well if you didn't work with him then how do you know and they make in my opinion the completely ridiculous leap if you weren't working together and you know that he's sick well, you must have been fucking. Well, that was it. Because they didn't... All Ducky did was go, oh. Oh, but yeah. He but then she goes, what? Did you think I was, was a virgin? virgin? Yeah. She's the his one leap, who went there. Well, his leap was clearly that, oh, they must be involved at They're least on fraternizing. some level. His oh definitely implies something inappropriate. She then immediately goes for the sex reference, which felt... Odd. Odd. But... <laughs> Clearly, she's been established already in this episode as needing to prove something. She made a reference earlier, which I didn't note, about, I earned my jockstrap. Is that a saying? She said something about, like, I'm like some amphibians. I grow Grow what what I I need. need. I know. She says, I earned my jockstrap. And Gibbs says, does it feel a little empty sometimes? Your jockstrap implying you don't have balls. And she's like, yeah, I'm like some frogs. I grow what I need. Which would have been a, a more punchy reference if people were already aware of the fact that apparently some frogs grow what they need. That's a that's a key plot point in Jurassic Park. So now we've not only referenced a six-year-old movie. At this think... time, we've referenced a 10-year-old movie. It's right. like, but, but... it just felt like a very, I'm like this thing that I know about and I want to reference, but I have to explain it because I know that not very many people know the thing that I'm referencing. You know, these frogs, some of them grow stuff. But... Such a weird thing. It, yeah, it was a weird in, reference. It was a weird reference. But There's... it establishes that Todd is trying to... She's used to, as a woman in a man's field, having to show off and make balls references. Right. 
I think I'm so fixated on this particular thing being and linking it to Jurassic Park is because so many of the, I guess, exchanges and and beats in this story feel as not that they're written by someone who has experienced anything like this in real life, but by someone who has experienced all of this stuff through film and television. Yeah. Like Probably. so many of these things, characters and situations feel like shorthand. Like when different agencies are arguing about jurisdiction, they're not really even saying anything. They're just like, it's my jurisdiction. Nuh uh, it's mine. Yeah, they're not even Cause... really giving reasons why. It's just, here we are now doing the scene where all the different agencies have a pissing contest. Got it. You know. Check. Check mark. All right. But moving back to the reason that she knows that she has the same symptoms as Carrie is that she was sleeping with him. And I, at this point, I'm still thinking that, like, Okay, but how was she drugged or something? And then realizing, oh no, they literally just both got the flu because they've been dating. In this spot, right here, where it's revealed that she was sleeping with Carrie, we get an extended shot of Gibbs staring at her. This is a motif that happens several times in the episodes where he stares at her for a really long time with just kind of a whimsical half smile on his face. Like, she's ballsy. I like her. Yeah, but it's... I think it's that he doesn't trust her. It's like this weird technique that is used in some kinds of police questioning and other things where if you just leave silence, long periods of silence, people will confess to things because it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, because they have to keep talking. And it seems like in this moment we're meant to think that he doesn't quite trust her. Yeah. He feels like something is off about her. Which makes sense in the plot, especially given what happens later. But unfortunately, it's hard to make something like that fly for the audience because we've seen her face in the credits. So we know she's going to be a regular character. So we're not, you know, we we can't suspend disbelief and go, oh, I don't know. He doesn't trust her. Maybe she's the bad guy. Then we go to Blondie's interviewing the chief steward. They're basically ruling out that it was the food at that point. They're just going through how they buy food for Air Force One and how they do it really carefully to make sure that nobody knows they're buying food for Air Force One. So so nobody can poison the food, right. blah, blah, blah. Everything is checked. Chief Stewart is so good, he got kept over from the Clinton administration, which hardly anybody rolls over. So, you know, it's yeah. doing he's, good. He addresses, he mentions that he's been working on, a, on Air Force One for five years. Two years with Clinton, uh, three with Bush. So it's, more with Bush. More with Bush. Uh, weird detail that they threw in there for no really reason. Really weird detail. Yeah. As the steward leaves, Gibbs helps himself to the president's bathroom, as you pointed out. He had asked earlier, like, well, isn't the president's head down here? He's and looking everywhere. He, for he wants, really the, wants to, 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 to pee in the president's bathroom. Yeah. While he is doing that... Blondie and Ducky uh, take turns snapping photographs of themselves in the president's chair with their feet up on his desk. Yeah. And they're clearly, they're doing it very quickly and while talking to Gibbs in the bathroom right. because they clearly don't want Gibbs to know that they're monkeying around and yeah, taking pictures it's... of themselves. Ducky does like a real, like, he he puts his elbows on the president's desk and like steeples his fingers together and gives very it. thoughtful. It's love. a very cute moment for Ducky where he's being a little fun and like, yes. yes, I want a picture of myself in the president's chair doing the thing. But Gibbs is using the president's bathroom. So he's being, he's doing his own weird, I need to pee where the president's pee and thing. honestly, you know? I think his is naughtier in some ways. Like they're like, oh, I've got to have a photo. But he's like, yeah. Pee in the president's bathroom. Establishing him as the (laughs) silver fox. The silverbacks, the the dominant, the the alpha gorilla. The alpha gorilla of of NCIS. Oh, wouldn't that be great if that is a recurring motif in the show that he has (laughs) to pee in weird places? (laughs) He pees on things. Oh God, please let that be a thing. 
As he walks out of the bathroom, he goes, if you guys are done taking pictures of each other, let's solve this crime or whatever. Yeah. Establishing Gibbs as being one step ahead of everybody else. Fun little moment. Uh, next, we go to Todd. She gets a call from her boss. He orders her to turn over the investigation to the FBI. That is a direct order. Yeah. Well, she tries to defend NCIS. So she's mm-hmm. she's kind of on board with the team. But he threatens her with demotion. Says, the only detail you'll get is walking Spotty. Did Bush have a dog named Spotty? I don't know. I don't remember him having a... a spotty even a dog. Clinton had a, a cat named Socks. Ah. They didn't have a dog. But all the, pres- all the presidents have pets. don't remember Bush having a dog, but maybe he did. I guess he did. Maybe it's a, like a, a goat. <laughs> I would remember that. <laughs> so she goes back to tell Gibbs the bad news, and the body's gone. And she goes, where's the body? He says, I don't know. And she says, did you bring it to the rear loading ramp for a quicker getaway? And he says, maybe. Yeah. So they know what's up. They know that they're not getting away with this scot-free right. they're not going to land in dc and the fbi is going to just let them waltz off with the body right so they were trying to get get make a getaway uh, todd tells gibbs she's been ordered to hand this over to the fbi she's like i won't defy a direct order but she just seems kind of apologetic they kind of have a moment where she's kind of a little bit like hey you guys are pretty cool but like my hands are tied. Gibbs seems to take it surprisingly well, considering that he basically stole Air Force One. From the FBI. He He's seems, in pretty deep he already. He seems more or less okay with it. And then we have an act break. The next act starts with the FBI is driving away from the plane. They have the body in the back of the truck. The FBI is very cocky at this point. The very driver excited. says something about, why did you let the NCIS have uh, the food and all the, uh, the... All the rest of the evidence. All the rest of the evidence. And the main FBI guy says, eh, make him feel, you know, throw him a bone every now and then. We have the basically. body. We so have the we body. Have the case. That's what we... Yeah, we have the body. Therefore, we're in charge of this case. Uh, let them investigate the food if they want to. It keeps the peace, you know. Basically, mm-hmm. he was throwing him a bone. Then a phone rings... They both check their pockets and realize it's not their phones. It's Blondie in the body bag. Which is the first useful thing he has done this entire (laughs) show. Yeah, actually, we we, we kind of did Blondie a disservice because we cut out a moment of his uh, character development earlier. We didn't mention his whole thing about the Beach Babe magazine. Which yeah, so was useless. He's, he he apparently draws sketches of the crime scenes because they're better than photographs. He does not explain that. He's no. like, we need to do sketches. And Todd goes, you took a million photos. And he does this whole weird thing where he picks up a magazine and points at a girl in a bikini on the cover and says, can you tell what her bra size is from this photo? And she's like, no. And he goes, well, you could from a sketch. It's like, that's not true. Yeah, I, a sketch I would be less accurate. I don't know. What I the hell? don't know what... He's, she was trying to make a point about how in a sketch you can draw out specific measurements that you've taken. It's not really clear. So, hope... so far he is useless to the team until, until he's in the, he's body, in the bag, body bag getting a phone call. He answers the phone in the body bag. because you never really... answer the phone. The phone call was to let him know, hey, the, the, the jig is up. You can get out of the body bag. What I don't understand is why he doesn't immediately sit up and be like, hey guys, sorry. Like, get yeah, he's out like of the laying bag. there whispering like, yes, like I'm still in the body bag. Yeah, I'm still in the body bag. Yeah, he clearly doesn't get what the deal is. Gibbs basically says they're going to throw you out. And it is implied that they do. We'll come to pick you up after they throw you out. And he's like, they're not going to throw me out. And then, whoa. Which is Which awesome. Is, you think, oh. wouldn't, 
they, I don't know, arrest him? They just throw him out of the truck? It's a bit weird. It's a bit confusing. But now we know that NCIS actually has the body. That's why they were willing to give it up so easily. We are in the NCI offices in the next scene where all three agency directors are having a real Nick Fury talking to the to the shadowy shield heads moment where they're all in big screens. Yeah, they're all yelling at each other via video screens. <laughs> yeah. And finally, they agree, all right, we need to all three of us work together. The Secret Service, the FBI, and NCIS. And since NCIS has the body... They get to lead. You know? They get to have the so investigation. So it's a win for our team. Our yes. team has finally won the pissing contest. Yay, team. Now we go to the lab mm-hmm. where Ducky is examining the body for needle marks because he's still trying to assess how slash if he was poisoned. They mention Abby, who we correctly surmised was our fun goth. Mm-hmm. And a, a random extra says, yeah, I called her. She sounded like she was at a fat party. What? And then Gibbs says to Ducky... Why would she be at a fat party? He's clearly older and wiser, but not hip to the lingo of the cool young kids. But also fat party? Like, was that a thing people be, said in 2003? Is it supposed to be P-H-A-T? Because that, I guess I forgot that people did say fat did in the 90s. Did people used to say fat in the 90s? But not in 2003, I don't think. I think it was done by then. Plus, the guy who delivered it, he delivered it in a very straight, like, yeah, I called her. She sounded like she was at a fat party. It felt unnatural at best for him to say fat party, but... He did not have the commitment to the line that Mr. Oh My God did in nope. the first in the first. We bit. can't hope that from everyone. Abby the goth shows up in the next scene. She is on the job in the lab. That's she's when we figured out she's stuff. not a hacker. She's kind of a general well, she's, science she's, expert technician She's got a computer character. with nine monitors attached yeah. to it. So she does she a lot of computer stuff. stuff. But she She's, it's, it's in service of science. She and Blondie have a bit of a rapport. He points out the trap had like a lot of vitamins and like health food with him and suggests maybe that was a source of the poison, which is totally a red herring. Uh, we go back to the main NCIS offices from the lab where they are having a face-to-face meeting with people from the FBI and the Secret Service, where they establish that the health food was a red herring mm-hmm. literally in the very next scene yeah it turns out none of that was uh, n- there were no toxins in the body there were no toxins that we could find in any of his food in his clothing and, and we couldn't find nothing so i guess it was just a natural death after all womp womp as they leave though gibbs stops todd and says hey where's the president going next and asks if he can tag along because which... he has a feeling i can't remember now if he Express that to Todd or if he acted like, well, I'm just curious. But yeah. if he was just curious, would she have he, let him tag along? He acted just curious. Yeah. Well, I guess technically as the head of his... Team? No, there's no reason he should have been no, allowed on there's the There's no reason he should have been allowed. But for some reason, she says, yes, but not your gun. You're not authorized yeah, to have You can't gun. bring your gun. So he leaves. He pointedly leaves his gun there and goes along. Takes out the magazine, <clears throat> grumbles, locks it in a drawer. Middle-aged man's his coat on and walks out the door. As he leaves, though, he turns to his team and says, keep looking into it. Cut to a bar where Todd is having champagne? A Odd guy, choice. A guy in a uniform... Which we figure out very quickly, this is Major Carey. Tim. Tim. Tim Carey. The guy that she has been sleeping with, who had the flu and was supposed to be the one on the plane. I pointed out in my notes, I thought he was kind of gross and beefy. You know, Todd, come on, you can do better. 
But they're talking about Trap, the fact that he knew him personally. Yeah. Said, yeah, he was new in town. He asked me for advice about like dry cleaners and local watering holes to check out. And Todd jokes that you didn't tell him about this place. And he goes, no, that wouldn't be good. You know, this is our place. Then she takes her hand away from his on the table. And he goes, I guess it wouldn't have been a problem after tonight, though, huh? Because Todd is about to end things yes she dumps major carry because she wants to have a clear head while guarding the president yep she wants to be invited for ribs <laughs> she she gives her reasoning as i won't be able to have a clear head if you're around which too late you've already seen him naked girl yeah, anytime he's... he shows up now he's an ex that doesn't i mean that makes it worse almost i still i absolutely respect her decision but yeah it was like her reasoning was like, no, nah, that's still going to happen. You should have thought that before you guys got busy the first time. She breaks it off with him. He takes it pretty well. He made one slightly biting comment about, oh, you're focusing on your career or something. But yeah. then he goes, all right, fair enough. They leave. She gets in her car and drives away. He then walks to his car and we and know things are not going to be good. Because he's sweating. Because he's starting to sweat and pull at his collar, gets in his car, starts convulsing. Oh, no. He's foaming, foaming at the, the mouth. mouth. Strangely shouted, he's having a sweaty. The attack of the sweat. The, the foam mouth. And unfortunately, Tim's dead. Very odd Dutch angle there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that, with that big reveal, we cut to commercial and have a nice act break. So we're back. President Merkin is back. And he's saying hello to everybody, and it's like he's doing the same thing yeah, he felt, did at the beginning of the episode. It was so un unnecessary. If they just wanted to establish the president was on the plane, they could have just shown us their archival footage. But no, they felt so confident in their President Merkin, they had to Again, show us him as well. Slapping their Merkin on the table. And then it's a it's a third guy, a different, different guy who's in charge of the nuclear football. Bush says hi to him. And goes on about his business. And uh, we are uh, with Todd and her boss is back on the plane. He expresses to her he's still not happy with how everything played out. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down with you teaming up with NCIS a little bit. I can't remember exactly what he says, but I, I know he kind of went, hey, not cool. This next bit is a lot of the plane, and now the lab, and now the plane. And basically, every time they cut back to the lab, it's just, we still don't know what's up. So... Those scenes are pretty much all the same. Ducky and Abby can't decide what's up. Then we're right back to the plane where Todd weirdly confides in Gibbs about breaking up with Tim. And she's like, you know, when you're working on the job 24-7, how are you supposed to meet anybody? She basically... And Todd goes... You know, Gibbs, Gibbs goes, goes church. <laughs> and she's kind of... She doesn't even go like, don't be ridiculous. She's like, oh, fair enough. <laughs> and he's doing the weird starey thing at her again. Yeah. And it's weird. She really clearly feels the need to justify yeah. her dating Tim to him, to Gibbs, which I don't know why. She has a moment where she, you know, she's, she kind of spills the story. Back to the lab where all they do is rule out another toxin. Right back to the plane. Gibbs is eyeballing everybody like he thinks something, somebody's going to drop dead. At he just, he's got a feeling in his gut. Yeah. He knows something. So does down. the head of the Secret Service. They both have a feeling in their gut. Yeah. Because they're slightly older, middle-aged white men who Who've have been on the job. Been on the job. Know things. Know what's going on. Yeah. Gibbs asks Todd what's going on because a woman is shown into the president's office right. and she says, oh, he's, we've got a bunch of press on the plane. The president is giving each one of them 10 minutes because uh, he had to kind of blow them off. 
when he arrived in Kansas. Because of the Because death. of the death. So now he's kind of catching up. And Gibbs points out that in the Harrison Ford movie... The terrorists were disguised, disguised as, as reporters. Pr- reporters. And she's like... Don't be freaking ridiculous. Everybody on this plane is someone we've been is vetted that we've known for years, except you, Gibbs. So she reminds him that he's there on, you know, on her sufferance, basically. And right after she says that, a rando reporter comes up to her and is like, when are we going to get yeah. to talk to the what's, president? What's going on? Why you you, you relaxing your dress code Yeah, there? maybe and, I could be in the Secret Service. I'm pretty cool. This yeah, and immediately we're like, well, this guy's something. Because he just—he's he, already had more lines than any extra in the show has had. He's had more lines than oh my god, guy. He's getting paid too much to not do something of action in right. this episode. So then they go back to the lab to roll on another toxin. Where is Blondie? Blondie is at the scene of Tim's death. Ah. Where he's just shown up because Tim Carey is a naval officer, and so right. Blondie was the one conveniently happens to be the one who's called because there are other NCIS people. It is referenced earlier that they are stretched thin, but I believe that there should be more than five people to cover <laughs> the, the entire whole Navy. Navy. Probably. So he happens to show up, and the guy who's already there, the regular CSI guy, goes, yeah, I don't know, it wasn't a robbery, it looks like it might have been a natural death or something, but I have a bunch of other work to do. I got two other shootings. He says, I got two other shootings. Um, do you want to take this, since he's one of yours? At that moment, Blondie sees the ID and sees Major Tim Carey and goes, uh, yeah. So we go back to the lab. But this time... Abby found the toxin. She does a little victory dance. A victory, a victory dance so adorable, it's in the opening credits. Oh, was it? I yes. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. It was pretty adorable. Then she calls... No, uh, Gibbs gets a call on the plane. As he's leaving to go accept this, his phone call, he mentions to Todd he wants to know about the differences between the two planes. I think she might have been the one to bring up the topic. She says that they're they're on the backup plane, which looks exactly the same, except for a few differences. She says there's tiny differences, like the backup plane has mechanical locks instead of electronic locks sometimes, and a few things like that. Yeah, so a few tiny little details are different because the other plane is slightly newer. The toilet's flush, spiraling the other direction. (laughs) Exactly. As he leaves to go take his call, Gibbs says, I want to know about all those differences, pointing out that he thinks... That's significant. Excuse me, I'm going to go pee in this bathroom too. Gibbs is then on a call with the whole team where Blondie fills him in, tells him Carrie's dead. Abby points out because she had the information now from both bodies, she was able to figure out it was a super rare toxin from some kind of Australian snake or spider. It's from Australia. It's from Australia. One of the many deadly things in Australia. And it was in the collar and cuffs of both uniforms. And, so, and they go to the same dry cleaner, They both, both of had tags from the same dry cleaner, and that's the only reason. If that dry cleaner just didn't put tags in, which is, I don't even know if that's a thing, but yeah. they never would have been able to put that together have <laughs> gotten both people. But that's the dry cleaner is the clue. The boss then of the team, who's also on the call, says... I passed that part of it on to the FBI to follow up on the dry cleaners. Because Gibbs is like, well, why aren't you following it up with the dry cleaners? Yeah. The boss says, yeah, the FBI can handle that. Which, honestly, fair. Seems yeah. legit. Well, they have more than five guys. And yeah. I feel like if you're storming a potential terrorist stronghold, you need more than five guys. Yeah. Like, that probably seems like a job for the FBI. Yeah. And, like, you're trying to work with them anyway. So, like, let them have that, Gibbs. Jeez. Throw them a bone. Come yeah. on. <laughs> is this the moment when they start going, is this Al-Qaeda? This seems yeah. like Al-Qaeda. So it's on this conference call that they're going, this is 
definitely Al-Qaeda. It's just, it's amazing. Like, this is very, I think this more than the computer tech, more than the fashion, more than anything is dating the show. Is yeah. They just go, a terrorist plot? It must be Al-Qaeda. And yeah. no one questions it for the rest of the episode. Everyone's just like, it's yeah. Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, 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 Al-Qaeda. End of story. But then Gibbs starts saying he needs to talk to Todd is trying to get a meeting room. She's like, there are no meeting rooms that aren't in use. He freaking drags her into the lavatory and takes her gun and holds her at gunpoint. Oh my God, all of a sudden, what the fuck is happening? He what like explodes doing? into action. Yeah. He has been like a very calm, kind of chill, kind of like hanging out, kind of like yeah. everyone else is solving the crimes and he's just kind of hanging out. Hanging out, having thoughts, thinking things. She may have let her guard down around him because he was so like, well, I don't know, whatever. The movie, Harrison Ford. Wah, wah, wah. Right. But he he seems like get... a goofball, but then he springs yeah. into action and it's like, whoa, you I'm do like, not whoa. want to mess with this guy. Yeah. He takes a gun from her, holds her at gunpoint, basically accuses her of killing them both, which is reasonable at this point because he doesn't know she's a regular character on the show the way we do. Yeah. She, he, knows he doesn't know she, she signed for at least Carrie. a season contract. He knows she was with Carrie right before he died. She had access to Trap at least on the plane. So he accuses her really harshly. Yeah. And she... This does, is how she finds out that Carrie this, dies. Uh, and then she goes, Tim? And uh, it's a good acting moment. Yeah. She, the way she says Tim is heartbreaking. And she freaks out, starts crying, attacks him kind of, but in a griefy way, and ends up sobbing on his shoulder. I mean, he immediately lets go. He immediately, immediately steps lets back his guard down. Gives her back the gun. Gives her back the like, gun and says, I'm sorry, I gave it to you hard because I needed to see your reaction. And she is not pleased, but she seems to kind of respect that he needed to do that. She says, you're still a bastard. And he's kind of like, fair point. Yes, I am. Yes, I am, ma'am. Which honestly was kind of nice because it meant that he didn't really think she did it, but he had to rule it out. And that's why he gave it to her so harshly. Which then explains all the weird looks he's been giving her. Yeah, this whole time. The whole time. He was trying to figure her out. Yes. And this was his finally saying, all right, are you are you in it or not? I hope not, but like, let's find out. And I'm yeah. going to find out the quickest and most efficient way possible, which is to thrust the fact that your lover is dead right in your face and see how you react to it. Boom. Dick move, but it got the job done. Then the two of them start trying to hash it out. Still in the bathroom. Yeah, they're like, what's going on? Wait, is it Al-Qaeda? Does... Yeah. It's Al-Qaeda. But Again, they... yeah, Al-Qaeda. They... Al-Qaeda. But then they point out, how does killing the guy carrying the football get the terrorist closer to the president? And she says, well, it doesn't. Another aide steps in. And that's what makes Gibbs realize... Another plane. They, it makes them switch planes. It was all about forcing them to switch planes. So what's different this, about what's this different? plane? And he points out that the security is different when the president isn't around. The security isn't nearly as tight. Right. So they go, is something planted on the plane? If it was a bomb, it already would have been detonated. So they're kind of hashing out, what are the differences? And he goes, what are the differences between the two planes? That's the key. Yes. Key. The key. The key. The oh my key. God. It'd be so funny if that was actually what they did. They didn't do this. Listener, I assure you, they didn't make it that cheesy. Uh, <laughs> springs into action. Springs into action. Starts running to the gun cupboard. Cupboard. I'm sure it has a better name than that. The gun cupboard. He pointed at it earlier, though, and go, ah, this is where the terrorists got the guns. And she In said, Air Force One. In Air Force One. One, in that movie. And she goes, that's absurd. Don't be ridiculous. Implying that there are no guns in that cupboard. But, of course, what we see before he gets there... While they're in the bathroom, hashing this out. While they're in the out. bathroom, hashing this out, we are shown 
the press guy who Overly was like, excited reporter hey, I'm saying too many lines to not be important later, yes. is strolling right over and whips out a key, which we were shown on the other plane that it had a keypad. Yes. I wondered why he Electronic punched at- Electronic keypad. He punched at the keypad, and I'm like, what, do you think you're going to open it? It was weird that he punched at it, but now we know why. Yeah. He was directing our attention to it, because now, on this plane, there's a keyhole. Press guy opens it up, With takes a out key. a big old gun. Yeah. Hides it inside his He goes for, like, an Uzi, which does not seem like a useful thing to have on Air Force One. Yeah. And in close quarters and small spaces. Takes off the silencer. Yeah. Just slaps it all together. Very competent. Knows what's up. Does some chicka-chicka gun stuff. Chicka-chicka gun stuff. Chicka-chicka gun stuff. And then heads off toward the president. Yep. Then we go back to them going, the key, the key is the difference. He runs to the gun cupboard, opens it up sees that it's already been opened and there's a gun missing, helps himself to, to a, a pistol. A, a small pistol with a, yeah. with a uh, uh, yeah, yeah, good small pistol. So, to replace the one that he had to leave yeah. behind. Does not grab a machine gun. This no. is important. He's smart. Oh, sorry. Uh, we're getting a little bit garbled, but this is the yeah. action part of yeah. the episode, oh, it's, so it's, it's fair. Everything, all happening. the shit's going down. As they leave the bathroom... One of the members of the press corps starts, like... Spas like oh right uh, yeah their body Sorry, starts I having forgot. spasms we, we, yeah, we and they start sweating and and frothing at the mouth and they're having the same symptoms as the two military guys who've already died and right. so then the 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 medics are called and someone's yelling emergency emergency in in the press lounge emergency in the press lounge and Todd is about to run over there and check it out. And Gibbs goes, no, it's a diversion. Go to the president. And Todd's like, oh right, I forgot. I My will go job to there for to protect president guy. That's yes. literally what my job is. I better do that instead of checking out this random press person who's having yeah. a medical emergency. So she rushes off to protect the president, tells the guy who's sitting outside who's who's carrying the football, says, nobody gets past you. He steps up. He's like, mm, I'm in yeah. it. I'm ready for this emergency. And she runs in to check on the president, who, thank God, we don't have to look at it ever again for this rest of this episode. Yeah, there is, I'm sorry, President <laughs> Merkin no longer appears in the episode. Thank God. In the meantime, the press guy strolls over to check out what's going on. And the guy goes, sir, you, you need to go back to the press lounge. Maybe he just keeps walking towards him the way that people do only when they have a gun and they're trying to get closer so they can use it right. more efficiently. He's strolling forward with one hand behind his, his back. back. Totally, totally. We're like, oh, no, no, please tell us not another naval guy is about to get killed. And then our hero Gibbs, Gibbs. says, freeze with his gun out. The press and guy turns around and is whips like, out, what's going yeah, on? What's out the, whips out the Uzi. Whips out the whatever machine gun he's got. Starts shooting as he's lifting his arm, which in a sort of stormtroopers have no aim moment, completely misses Gibbs, who just neatly goes, bam, bam, shoots him twice with his smaller, more efficient gun. Very controlled and from Gibbs. Just, Gibbs doesn't flinch as bullets go flying past him. Yeah. Takes down his man. It was a kind of unnecessarily dramatic hero moment for Gibbs. Yeah. But I guess he needed that. He's the, he's the lead. He needed his hero moment. Well, he also had the hero medallion from the last president he saved in his pocket, which stopped a bullet. Oh, yeah. That would, Probably. Man, would have been great. We move on to the denouement of the episode where Gibbs is talking to the Secret Service boss on the plane Secret Service boss is kind of being like, well, well done, Gibbs. You really pulled, pulled it out on this one. NCIS ain't so bad after all, kind of conversation. And he mentions, Todd told me all about Carrie as she tendered her resignation. Gibbs is kind of like, what, did you accept her resignation? Like, she's obviously a good agent. You're going to let her yeah. leave? And yeah, her boss is like, yeah, she broke the rule. Shrug. Shrug emoji. 
So immediately we cut to Gibbs catching up with Todd saying, hey, heard you quit your job. And she's like, yeah, good news travels fast. Yeah. You know, well, what are you going to do? I broke the rules. Shrug emoji. And he says, yeah, well, if you pull that shit with NCIS, I won't give you a chance to quit and strolls away. She turns to him, surprised, says, was is, that, is that a, a job, job offer? offer? Instead of answering, a convertible, convertible sports car rolls up with some unknown woman in the front seat. Gibbs hops in without opening the door. A good-looking woman of a like roughly the same age as him. Which I appreciated which was that. Nice. Which is nice. She it wasn't was very like, nice. A lot younger, which was yeah. Like, wasn't like hops a hot in, young blonde or something. Gives her a kiss and they drive away. They drive away, leaving Todd going. I, don't know, I guess I'm applying for a job at NCIS. Which I gotta say, him uh, having a lady to smooch. I kind of went, oh, what will this mean for Todd and Gibbs and the will they won't they thing they are clearly setting up. So later. then we we have our like. Sort of final act break, and we get the little thirty-second bit of show that At happens after every commercial, right? Which final is commercial break, classic trope TV with the news on, giving us exposition. Which the is the director of the FBI saying, "We caught the terrorists, and we do this thing, and we're going to." It was all the FBI. It was one hundred percent FBI taking all the credit. We did all the all the things. We stopped Typical the terrorists. Asshole. But while he's doing this, there's camera Gibbs pans over, working on his wooden boat, carving totally it with unfazed. a knife. Totally unfazed, because this is just another thankless day of work at NCIS. Credits. And credits. Cliffs and ships. All right. From just from what we've been given in this episode, hard to say specifically if there's going to end up being some kind of... There's no ongoing conflict introduced. Yeah. Which was interesting. Except for interdepartmental bullshit. The only thing I could even imagine being a kind of season one, like, triumph for the team that they could achieve together would be somehow, like, proving themselves to the FBI or some shit, which I, I... It's very vague, but that's kind of the only thing they set up. I mean, unless they, like, go... They defeat all of Al-Qaeda at the end of season (laughs) one. They need to convince that one wormy FBI guy to be like, yeah, I guess the NCIS doesn't suck. <laughs> Good job, NCIS. You're not on probation anymore. Like, yeah. yeah what? You're off double secret probation. <laughs> now, I just want someone to make a procedural. <laughs> it's basically the FBI version of Animal House. You're on thin ice, tires and chainsaws. <laughs> The tires and chainsaws department. Yeah, it's like the FBI guys who are like considering how specific, like specific procedurals have gotten bones or whatever. Like it's like they all their crimes have to do with like recognizing specific tires and chainsaw cuts. All right, uh, people are gonna be able to tell that we took a nice long break between the synopsis and this part to eat dinner. Drink gin and watch a bunch of ridiculous YouTube videos. <laughs> to get back on track a yeah, little bit. Yeah, a little bit. The interesting thing about this pilot, as opposed to a lot of other pilots that we watched, is a lot of other pilots, even if they're going to be sort of a flavor of the week, monster of the week type episode, still give you some kind of idea of the larger world that these characters are inhabiting yeah. and the things that they're facing. This did not. It was sort yeah, of like... aside from... The the big picture stuff that we did get was basically NCIS isn't taken seriously by the other departments, which right. presumably will come up again later. Which, How much that's going to be a part of the show is, I guess, hard to say. Which was really fascinating. Like, every other pilot I think I've ever seen 
has ended in such a way that's like there's a lot more to do. We got a lot to do, you guys. We got to keep up this yeah. this the detectiving or this crime fighting or this like superheroing or whatever. And this is just like, yeah, we solved a mystery and we're it was pretty cool and yeah. there was now no... we're gonna go back to building our boat. Yeah, there was no like team moment of we our team succeeded or something like they didn't get like a team moment at the end, which. Yeah. Now that I think about it, it would have been nice to have the whole team together or something. We get the little moment of Gibbs asking Todd to to join the team so we know, aha, bringing the team together. Which I do want to point out, I really liked that because I I generally put crime-solving pilots in one of two categories. They're, they're either the one where they're like getting the team together, a la mm-hmm. Miss Fisher, or it's the one where they're like... Look, we already have the team. We're going to kind of give you the rundown of what the team is like, but the team is already here, which is what people usually do. And I love one where they actually show them getting the team together. Because usually mm-hmm. that sh- ends up being some shit you get later on in a, like, fucking flashback flashbacks like Firefly. Yeah. But this was a little bit of both. Because mm-hmm. the most of the team was together, but it showed how they met Todd and how they brought her on board and how she became part of the team. Right. And I like that. I like seeing how someone becomes part of the team. So I, I enjoyed and, that they included that. And our audience POV character wasn't someone who's completely helpless or useless yes. in a oh, situation. Oh, I, I, I hate an audience avatar that's just like, dirt, 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 what's going on? Instead, Todd, like, she knows her shit. She's just not familiar with this particular team and how they work. So there are scenes where he's like, explaining how they tag and bag evidence like she would know that yeah but the it's it's being presented in such a way that he it's it's a character beat for the characters as opposed to just being we are two people who both know a thing but one of us is repeating it with out loud followed by the words as everyone knows yeah blah, blah, or blah, obviously blah. because yeah. the audience needs to hear it yeah i felt like they didn't there wasn't too much that felt like really obvious like handing it to the audience stuff so that was nice right in terms of of predictions i want to see the whole team working together cliffs and ships Mm -hmm. the whole team and each other i want this team to meet their big bad i want to know who they go up against on a regular basis honestly i'm kind of fine without big bads i feel like big bads in procedurals get really kind of tedious first of all they're usually serial killers and i hate serial killer stories i just i'm not intrigued by it it's it's a combination of I am freaked out by it because they're scary and I'm like, oh, another fucking serial killer, well, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's putting I, clues. He wants to be I, caught. It's right. like, it's so, I, it, no one ever does it in an interesting way to I me. I don't specifically mean in terms of like, they have like a, like a, uh, an, an evil force. More of like, I want to know like, who is the, the. Like, the, everything at the end of this episode, like, the FBI was like, well, you solved the case. Like, if there was somebody who was trying to shut them down, who's constantly second-guessing everything they do, that could be a big bad. Oh, okay, yeah. Not in Good. terms of, like, the, a, crime a, 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 a criminal mastermind organization. Like, not that sort of... Yeah. I just... I, there's no big conflict to keep me coming back every week. It's yeah. just, will they solve the crime? Well, yes, they will, because... They're magically good at everything. But also, that's why you watch a freaking procedural. I guess. It's just to see a crime and to have it solved in 42 minutes. But I keep coming back to the same particular procedurals because I care about those people and their stories. Yeah, I guess the ones that I care about the overarching story, it's the relationships between the characters more than it is an outside force. More than it is an yes. overarching someone's trying to tear apart the team. Like, right. that can be done well, but it's less interesting to me in general. For instance, Elementary on CBS, the the big bad of 
the first several seasons that is still continued is not a particular person or a force. It's uh, Johnny Lee Miller's Sherlock and his battle with addiction. Mm. That is the yeah. big conflict. That is the big wedge. I think I think an interesting uh, conflict for the season for the show could be uh, Gibbs and Todd coming uh-huh. to terms with each other because like. Todd's coming from a very different style from the Secret Service, and she doesn't... She likes Gibbs, but she's not sure she totally wants to follow his rules. So, like, that that conflict between the two of them and getting them to learn to work together could be, you know, and kind of, like, understand each other and respect each other. That could be a conflict that would be resolved by the end of the first season. But I guess I really wanted us to predict some kind of ridiculous cliffhanger, and I yeah, can't I, even think of one for this. There's a bomb in the president. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there you go. You know, there's termites in my wooden boat in the garage. Like, oh, no. The, the president stole my wooden boat. Get in the wooden boat, Mr. President. There's no time to explain. The the NCIS is here to save you. Yeah. The who? God damn it, even the president. My my last sort of prediction desire for the show is I want someone to turn to Blondie and say, so wait a minute, what do you actually do, do here? here? Yeah, I hope that over the course of the first season, they actually develop a character for Blondie because he's like barely a person. Like, I want a scene where Ducky reveals episode. he doesn't even know the guy's name. Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry. Do we know a blondie? <laughs> so, ships. Obviously, they're lining up uh, Gibbs and Todd to have some sexual tension there, which felt, unfortunately, kind of forced and manufactured to me. I felt no chemistry between them at no, all. None whatsoever. It felt like they were trying to force it, though. I With mean, them being, like, like practically face-to-face and, like, does it feel empty? What? Your jockstrap? <laughs> That whole exchange was painful, and it felt like it was supposed to be sexy or something. Like, they thought it was. It was not. The only other thing besides that I can imagine is that Blondie and uh, um, Abby had a little bit of a rapport, but I'd like to see that play out more as, like, a a sibling kind of... A colleague-sibling... Fondness that they work well together. I I wouldn't... I don't ship that. I, I want Ducky to end... I want Ducky to have a someone. Not someone who we've already met on no. the show. But just, I want to meet whoever Ducky's someone is. Ugh, I hope Ducky gets a, gets a romance st- subplot. That oh, would be nice. That would be fantastic. Just find out, like, Ducky's on, like... I was going to say on Tinder, but this was 2003. Ducky's just, like, constantly getting dates on online. And just like, of, like, of oh, course, yeah. yes. Is it, I, I uh, did constantly. On Navyman.com. I, I, every night, I had a new fellow. <laughs> I've got one waiting for me in the car right now. So if you'll oh, don't worry, me. I put the window down. <laughs> that's our ships, that's our show. Final verdict? Final verdict? I think I'm actually definitely going to watch more of the show, to be perfectly honest, because I like a light-hearted procedural I don't have to think that hard about when I'm just like, want some escapist TV. And now that I've cracked into this one, and I know there's... 15 years of it to watch i'm not saying i'm definitely gonna watch all of it there's there's definitely some elements that are interesting to me but i i'm just not sure how it all catalyzes Mm -hmm. sometimes with a show like this if i'm still not sold after the first episode you know because we have everything on streaming i'll skip ahead to a random episode in in later on in in season season like three and just watch a little bit of it and see if if the characters have all stayed in the exact same place. 
just it feels from, like cheating. I I know, but it's like <laughs> so I'm very I'm I'm very strict about watching things in order. Yeah, I know, but just like to see. I, like, I get what you're saying though. Yeah. How things have moved. You know, you look at. Uh, Did they people seem like they've developed characters, or are they exactly the same as they were? In yeah. The pilot? Are you yeah. all still the same? Like, are you all still playing the same arch stock characters? Mm-hmm. And with this, like. You know, I, I've, I've never seen any other NCIS, but it's just everybody is so specifically like, this is the the nerdy girl who knows about computers and science and stuff, and here's also a goth. Tough, and here's the tough cop lady who has to prove herself to all the guys. Right. You know. And here's the the young hot guy who's obviously failed upwards. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I and I want there to be like in yeah. some for me to keep showing up every week or to binge something. I want there to be a little bit more. Yeah. Um, no, this this show did not give us a lot. It did not give us a lot. And honestly, that's probably why no one has ever said to me, oh, you should watch NCIS. And I never bothered to give it a try. But now that I've watched the first episode, I'm like, okay, I basically know who these characters are now. Yeah, I'll watch at least a few more and see how it goes. You know, sometimes you need something dumb. That's why I watched so many seasons of Bones. It was freaking <laughs> terrible, but I just... I wanted this, something dumb to watch. This seems like the it, right... It eventually got too dumb and I had to stop, but... This seems like the right kind of dumb, though. Yeah. For that kind of dumb procedural And honestly, feel. I would have thought it would have been worse. Yeah. Just everything I've ever seen, every little screenshot I've ever seen or reference I've ever heard about to NCIS, I just always thought of it as some kind of like weird low-rent CSI, mm-hmm. which I'm sorry, but that's exactly how they are viewed by everyone in the universe. The fact that they've hung a a lampshade on it makes me more inclined to like it. Yeah. And the fact that, honestly, they didn't pull a lot of, like, fancy juju, actually, in the first episode. Like, she's got a machine that's running the toxins, the computer going, like, negative. But, like, other than that, they didn't pull a lot of, like, weird But it it was implied that that running those toxins and doing that computer stuff took a lot of time. Because they kept going back to her. And each negative had her getting progressively more annoyed. Yeah, they didn't just, like, do a bunch of magic with a big laser machine that, like, bing, 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 bing. Yeah. Crazy, spacey computer that did a thing. Honestly, the show was better than I expected. It was definitely better than I expected, too. And I think that's where we'll leave it. And CIS, better better than than we expected. expected. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you liked that episode. We will be back with you in two weeks, in 2018, on January 8th, with an episode about Moonlighting, that 80s classic, with Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard. Strap in, guys, because this one is a doozy. We'll see you then.